Hello, this is Matt Hale with Art Monthly on Resonance Radio. We're doing this programme live, which is a first for me. And the programme is based on two pieces written in the Art Monthly issue number 348, July-August 2011. Um, at the moment, I'm talking to you, and I'm unable to hear myself in the headphones, so this I don't even know if you're hearing me, but it doesn't matter. We're going to carry on, and hopefully this will all pull together. Uh, wonderful engineer is pushing buttons, and we'll see what happens. But um, basically, each Art Monthly programme is based on writing by the writers in the current issue, and I'm joined today by um, two of them, as I said. One is... Bob Dickinson, and the other is Paul O'Kane. And um, Paul's written on a book called Junk, Art and Politics of Trash, um, which is published by Taurus and written by Gillian Whiteley. Now, the other piece um, is written by Bob Dickinson, as I say, and it's called Bosnia, Herzegovina, Time Machine, Biennial, No Network... And Bob is a freelance writer and broadcaster based in Manchester, where he is now on the phone. Bob, can you hear me? I can't hear you. We're having slight technical problems. This is always the way with telephone things. Say something again, Bob. No, you are very, very quiet. So this is true radio. Can you hear me? I can hear Paul. Now, Paul just said something to me now. Okay. We, maybe we better start talking with Paul about his book first, because at the moment I can't hear Bob, and I'm hoping Bob can, can cut in with us and, and join in in a minute. But, Paul, basically, you, you've reviewed a, a book called Junk Art and the Politics of Trash by Gillian Whiteley, and um, it begins really by... Um, well, it's, it's about assemblage, mm. not assemblage, as they might say in France. What is assemblage? Well, um, I think assemblage uh, is uh, a really a kind of sculptural tradition um, distinct from uh, um, uh, collage and uh, it really involves a kind of juxtaposition of almost kind of random and often found uh, elements. Um, they're often, you know, kind of throwaway uh, or s objects of low value which have been sort of redeemed by the artist by their composition. Um, so if you think of uh, Picasso uh, putting a, a bicycle saddle together with a bicycle handlebars and creating a bull, I suppose you have a kind of a good example of uh, basic assemblage there. Yeah, and, and this, is, this is a tradition going back um, a long way. I mean, I mean, I understand there was an exhibition at MoMA in um, New York in 1961, which was when the term was possibly actually uh, invented, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that Gillian Whiteley, in, in the book that I reviewed, uses this uh, exhibition as a kind of um, a kind of turning point in which the term the term assemblage and the kind of uh, genre or style of art isn't invented, but is in a way legitimated by a major institution. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you actually say that the book is possibly a form of... Um, well, assemblage in itself. Does that explain what you mean? Yeah, have I got that right? Well, I think when you write reviews, you have to be very you know, careful <laughs> <laughs> to be to say something interesting and kind of uh, critique what you're reading without kind of uh, uh, insulting anybody. Or of course. So I was treading lightly, but trying to say that... Uh, and I think it's also a reviewer's uh, kind of uh, habit to sometimes try to find a sort of ironic uh, play between the book's subject matter and its form. Yes. So yeah. I think I was doing that and saying that... Fair enough. I think I was saying that um, the book is a kind of assemblage in that it isn't a kind of wholly homogenised uh, and smoothed out uh, composition. 
and the chapters do seem to me to sort of lurch a little bit from different approaches. And uh, maybe Gillian Whiteley was after that. Maybe she was in a bit of a rush. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really affect <laughs> the quality of the book. Sure. I was just really pl kind of playing on something to hang my review yeah. around, I think. I, I wanted to, to say, I mean, in a way, I, I've always been interested. I mean, I try to be nice to myself occasionally. And um, <laughs> the idea of collage, particularly, I've always found sometimes people put things together that are so randomly put together that they have no they don't speak to each other and other times you see it and it and the collaging together and the assemblage is so carefully done that something really new speaks out of it so the care of the putting together of all these pieces is I would say would you say I mean really is what you are after and when you don't want randomness necessarily yeah, I think I think care is uh, only one uh, aspect, one kind of criteria that r redeems these uh, valueless objects through art. Uh, sometimes it's the specific kind of objects that have been targeted by the artist. I think uh, um, I think I mentioned this in the review that, and uh, Julian Whiteley plays on it a little bit that. Uh, assemblage is also a kind of victim of its own success and it became a kind of staple of children's workshops and a kind of amateurish yeah. uh, art practice as well and so anybody who kind of uh, works in that area or has worked in that area has always trod this thin line that you're referring to yeah. of maybe not uh, not in injecting value into these values objects and, and ended up with something which maybe isn't art <laughs> yeah and and the book is is, is from my review, I find is 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 a is a fairly carefully constructed piece, but it, it has quite disparate things. And sometimes you say there's some descriptions of her going in, through a, arriving in a city and going through a city, and then she talks about the art assemblage work from that place. Is that? Well, that's that was part of going back to the, the the critique of the style and the form of the book. In a way, uh, I was I was interested in. I'm a writer, you know, a writer myself, and and I write in different styles and different genres and stuff. And so I'm interested. I pick up what I think people are trying to do. So whether there's a moment in the book where she wants to write about nouveau realism and a kind of French uh, 60s use of uh, ready-made objects, a kind of Parisian approach to assemblage. And she starts that piece by writing a very kind of performatively about journeying through the Marais. Yeah. And uh, I was just picking up on the fact that, uh, in my opinion, it would have been a lovely way to make this whole book a series of city-by-city city journeys. So Almost like a travel book, but with art assemblage as the, as the holiday yeah, or something. But Gillian Whiteley has uh, attempted to globalise this issue, which we might think of primarily as being a kind of uh, Franco-European or, uh, sorry, a Euro sort of uh, American-European tradition. Yep. And so she focuses... She, she talks about some West Coast artists, but she uh, talks about some Australian artists that we don't probably know so well. And uh, so, so this kind of global or international uh, flavour is part of her aim, I think. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is really, I mean, a laudable one. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, I mean, just is it yeah. the, is it the book which it is purely historical, or I mean, how how up to date is it? Uh, well, um, it's not uh, purely historical, but I, I praise uh, Gillian Whiteley for laying down some kind of generic information, what, as I say, for undergraduates who want to kind of grasp this and uh, help them write their theses, and there's a wonderful bibliography to help you, etc. Yeah. But you're right that she uh, she doesn't stick to uh, a strictly uh, historical approach. She uses a conceptual approach, uh, and uh, she does come up to date. From it for she, she mentions uh, a more contemporary artist, uh, uh, Mill Lederman uh, Ukeles, who um, has done these wonderful works since the 60s and 70s, but uh, uh, through to more recently, um, working with the New York uh, um, services 
uh, like the kind of waste disposal services and making works around these kind of issues, very socially engaged, but always targeting kind of trash. And she even kind of starts to talk about spam towards the end of the book, uh, uh, something, a kind of new, low-value kind of object that's bothering us, and the artists perhaps haven't worked out how to use it You mean, you mean spam as in computer spam that we get Oh, yes, not the, pink, the, not the pink tin <laughs> variety. Yeah. No, no. Which is obviously a high value. But, but the, uh, the, the artist, um, Merle Lederman Euclides, um, which you actually, by the, by the way, featured in, a, in a, an art monthly on February 08 by, in a feature by um, Dean Kenning called Eco Art, which people might be interested in looking at. But you, she did, bef- I mean, we have a picture of her there as a, doing a performance, and mm. she's basically standing in a, in a landfill site, shaking hands with the man who does the, drives a lorry? Mm. I mean, I don't know her work well, but I mean, ha, what's the link with assemblage? I mean, I understand the, that it's junk that, or trash that she's dealing with, but what, why is that assemblage? Well, Eucalyptus did pieces uh, where she kind of respected uh, the people who were regarded as the the bottom of society in a way, if you like, or not the, the bottom of society, but kind of low in the pecking order of, mm. of a kind of modern. Uh, urban hierarchy, so the cleaners of New York City, she kind of made work with and about them. She shook hands with all the municipal uh, employees of the uh, dustbins and cleaning. As a performance? Yes, and uh, she also, I think she also made pieces where she kind of uh, jazzed up the uh, dirt trucks, that we're kind of familiar with the idea now, but she kind of uh, pioneered that. So uh, Gillian Whiteley, once she gets onto this line of thought about the supposedly low value or impoverished object uh, it's not a, a it's not a big leap it's not a big leap to start talking about hierarchy in general and this is where yeah. i became most interested in the well yeah because that is political i mean th- you know what what materials we choose to make art from it, i mean you f- as soon as you go and buy a really expensive stretcher and a frame and really and, and oil paints for instance you are that means something, doesn't it? And, and, and not just the value of them, but it has a sign. Well, in, you're in buying it. into lots of preconceptions yeah. about value as soon as you pick up that stretcher, that canvas, etc. Yeah. instead of picking up that bubblegum wrapper. Or well, that, which is uh, another form of buying into, but it's a different thing you're buying into. I mean, I, I don't want to say buying into the, to that, really, but it is, in a way. Yeah, I mean, I think that, as we've established, you know, the, the tradition is long, and once you take a global approach and you, you, find a tr- you find a culture like in Haiti or something, you'll find that it's not just, uh, you know, it's a kind of ancient uh, yeah. uh, 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 or, or, you know, kind of um, art form as well. In, other co- in non-European or non-modern cultures, my you know, uh, might have a longer tradition of, of using assemblage, but uh, um, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, 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 I was quite interested also in the, just to try and understand what assemblage is again, because the ready-made, for instance, is 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 an object found, uh, uh, an existing object, but it, it clearly not really doesn't fit into the word into the meaning of assemblage, from what I understand, because it's one object on its own, although it's found and it might be a low-brow object, it could be a spade or you know something which you wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, we get onto slightly different ground there. I think, sure. I think once you talk about Duchamp, you're talking about a much more provocative uh, j- uh, kind of proposition because it's so singular or relatively yeah. singular. Yeah, uh, uh, exactly. Just to define, I was just trying to make the, the clarification of where the edge might be because mm. obviously that's that's the... Bob, are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Oh, lovely. You've been very good being quiet up there in Manchester. I'm sorry. It was because we had the technical problem at the beginning. I couldn't ring you in. Do you have any questions for Paul on the piece, which I've... If you haven't, don't worry at all. We can move on to your piece. But well, well, I was wondering about the um, amount, or if, if or, or, or if there is any art coming out of sort of poorer countries, third world countries, where the role of trash is economically different to what it is in the West. 
Um, yeah, well, I think I think that uh, I mean, if you if you, if you a show like Africa Remix uh, mm. that you know kind of recently featured around uh, major institutions uh, um, would probably give you evidence of of, of that kind of activity. And uh, Gillian Whiteley, I think, does try in her book to, as as we said, kind of globalize the issue and draw those kind of things in. Well, I was thinking that you sometimes are having ones toys made from cocoa tins yeah. or you know souvenirs are made from what is. Well, to rub it in the culture is a material makes stuff sell less than they can, maybe. Yes, I mean, I won't talk about that time too much. Just to say that, uh, that um, one of the points to make at the end of the um, review is a kind of irony that if you're in a leading nation, you're probably using part of your recycling, actively involved in recycling. Um, uh, so there's some strange irony about the leading nations are involved in the same kind of pursuit as the poorest nations. But for completely different reasons or a different way. Well, I'm not sure if they're different reasons. No, they recycle our, our, our stuff as well, don't it's they? It's something about the global and this kind of relativism that, that comes up with it when they've got this issue of values. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I wanted to just quote at the end. You say, um, "There's a vision of society of which waste is a, in its is its very material foundation." That mm. the, the, the cultural life of detritus, from obre truve to the art of assembly, do the basic academic work here, and combined with a valuable bibliography. Sorry, sorry, I'm reading the wrong bit. Don't get stuck into the deeper implications of rich society. Uh. Re Articulating its waste products as art—that's what I meant to read out. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Sorry uh, about that. <laughs> I think that, as I said earlier on, the, it's the kind of philosophical, stroke, political aspect of the issue that really interests me, and uh, I feel feel like Gillian Whiteley um, skates over that a little bit. And it'd be nice to read. Uh, uh, there probably is another book, or she might write another book later that, that deals with that. So, it, it, the, one of the last images in the book is uh, this place called Fresh Kills yes. off the Ooh. coast of Manhattan. Which which is really basically a landmass, uh, which is just the kind of detritus of, of Manhattan's uh, modern uh, experience uh, built up into into a land, which is now becoming a kind of country park and real estate, etc. And so I just sort of mentioned that with a kind of Baudrillardian kind of yeah. uh, uh, vision of a new, you know the new world has uh, kind of uh, jettisoned its, its detritus, which yeah. has become a kind of newer new world uh, and. Uh, there's something kind of fascinating about that. Uh, about well, I, th I certainly think that the, that the, the book and, and the, the idea of assemblage shows people that it can be can be very political if you wish. It can be, you know, using that method is it can be a very rich way of working as an artist. That's this is why Eucalius is probably, uh, I say she's the kind of star of the book in a way, because, uh, yeah, she does make that bridge, that political and philosophical bridge between yeah, uh, yeah. something like assemblage through performance into the relativism of... Um, our societies and how the hierarchies are structured in, in, in our societies. Well, well, what we'll do now, because we're about halfway through the programme, is turn to Bob's piece as well. Um, now, as I said at the beginning of the programme, it's um, about a biennial which is in Bosnia-Herzegovina. I think I got that right. <laughs> um, Bob, you went yourself. So, I mean, what I really want you to do is, because it sounds like an amazing thing, having read your description of it, but maybe you'll give us a description on, on, on the airwaves. Well, I found out about this uh, biennial from just looking at news websites um, last year. I, I didn't know anything about it, so I decided I'd try and make a radio program about it, which is what I was doing over there for Radio 4. And it's... Uh, in a t it's just near a town called Konyets, which is 20, no, sorry, 50 kilometers southwest of Sarajevo in the mountains of Bosnia-Herzegovina. Uh, it's just a little town that's very sleepy, and it was quite badly damaged during the Civil War in the 1990s. But before that, uh, about a mile down the river, in a river gorge, 
uh, along a very windy uh, road, uh, there's, there are a couple of what look like ordinary domestic whitewashed houses, and they uh, conceal the entrance to this huge underground nuclear bunker that was built between the 1950s and the late 1970s to, uh, as, as a shelter for President Tito and his military high command. Uh, in all, about 350 people would have been able to survive there for six months underground. Amazing. And um, it, it was kept secret until the Civil War. Uh, I believe the um, National Yugoslav Army, who were the Ser fighting for the Serbs, would have uh, were trying to destroy it. But uh, somebody, one of the one of the soldiers guarding it, gave it away, gave the secrets away to the Bosnian army, and they took it over, uh -huh. and so it was saved. And it's part of a huge network of bunkers all over former Yugoslavia, many of which have been rediscovered and looted. But this one's been kept in perfect condition, and it still belongs to the Bosnian Ministry of Defence, and it's still guarded by soldiers. So, so it, it, to, get, to go into it, what happened in the bunker that you went to see? Well, it's an, uh, it was... Uh, the, the bunker is the, is the venue for a new um, contemporary art biennial which has been organised by a group of curators from Bosnia, Serbia and other former Yugoslav republics. Uh, they got funding from the European Council last year. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, they, they've... Uh, curated 45 new uh, artists, young artists, from mostly from the Balkans, but also from Eastern Europe, Russia, uh, the Middle East, and the United States, and, and a couple of English, British, British artists that are, are down there. And uh, they, they are, uh, the, the, this art biennial is, uh, is also comments on, on war and on the use of the space, the former use of the space, and on the heritage of warfare in the area, so it's it's quite strong stuff. Uh, it's um, and and it's part of, I think, the, the Bosnian government's uh, uh, general push to uh, generate tourism and get people to travel to places like. Well, it's certainly a novel way of doing it, isn't it? I mean, the idea of going. I mean, but you went, you went. I mean, it did work. <laughs> yeah, I got there. I mean, it's it's not easy to get there. Uh, you, you can get a train from Sarajevo to Konitz, but you, you've got to go to the, the tourist information office and they'll book you onto a bus to take you to the bunker because you have to go through military checkpoints to get in there. And they won't allow normal cars uh, through. But I've heard since we left that, that, that they've had thousands of visitors. Um, that there's such a lot of interest in Marvelous. the bunker uh, from local people who never knew anything about it. Yeah. And, and just just to talk about the artworks in in there, which are, which, I mean, you, they obviously can't deny, they can't ignore the the context that they're in. Yeah. And were they actually specific? Do you know if they were specifically asked any? You know, I mean, other than giving being given the venue, were they actually asked to do, deal with any particular things, or did they just all respond to the space? I think some of them are doing new. A lot of them are doing brand new uh, material, but a lot of it's in, it's mostly installation. There's some performance. Uh, quite a lot of video work, but it's it's nearly all commenting on the uh, the, the situation, the, bunk, the 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 space, the bunker itself, and the kind of 
uh, and the heritage of war in Bosnia-Herzegovina itself. And there, uh, and also, I think Tito is a kind of ghost who haunts the bunker. There's a, a very strange moment when you get right inside to the back of the bunker, right to the heart of it, where you find you're walking down a corridor full of bedrooms, and you go into this bedroom, and it, it, it's got a double bed in it. It's only room <laughs> with a double bedding. Protected sex. And it was Tito's bedroom. And uh, the Romanian artist uh, who died shortly before the event opened, uh, I think she's pronounced Ioana uh, Nemes, um, did, has, has lit this room in kind of very gaudy red. And there's this big poster at the back, which is part of her monthly evaluation project. Uh, which reads, the colour of intense erotic moments is not red, is not red. Interesting. And there are some old Yugoslav banknotes scattered around. It's very strange. And then you go next door to that, and there's this, uh, in, uh, there's this um, installation by Maya Bajovic, who's from uh, Sarajevo, uh, called Hair Donations for a Wig. And it's, this is the room where, which uh, Tito's widow used as her dressing room. <laughs> it's got a makeup table, and on this table... Maya Bajovic has, 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 has installed a wig which she made from hair that was donated by local people who, resp who were responding to a newspaper advert. Mm. Bob's got a question. I'm oh, sorry, Paul's got a question for you, Bob. No, it just, it just struck me. I was fascinated in your review by this slightly Doctor Strangelove kind of uh, architectural vision yeah. of this yeah. kind of bad guy's hideout with the double bed and the eroticism, etc. It's a fantastic yeah. vision that's, uh, that's described in your review. But what interested me, I think, was uh, I recently read uh, Tony Jutt's uh, history post-war uh, history of post-war Europe, and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and the section on the, the, the breaking up of Yugoslavia is particularly. Uh, terrifying, really, to yeah. kind of try to understand all that. Um, but what interested me was that, that earlier in the re review, you talk about the artists uh, also representing all parts of the former Yugoslavia, and uh, or mo many parts of the former Yugoslavia. And yeah. uh, it just strikes me as you're talking that that, that Tito is a great uh, kind of um, focus point, you, you yeah. know, rather than uh, rather than have the trouble of trying to work out how artists today would relate to the former Yugoslavia or represent it in any way, if you see what I mean. It's, it's interesting to go back before the breakup and, and, and look at this, as you say, this ghost of Tito. I thought it was really fascinating. Well, a lot of people, uh, I think older people in former Yugoslavia do look back on Tito with some nostalgia, although, uh, you know, there are a couple of artists who've used uh, the formal photos of Tito, which are still on show in the, you know, they're on the walls in these in these offices in the bunker, mm. and uh, um, uh, for instance, uh, uh, Vlatka Horvat, the uh, Croatian artist who's based in England, has done a piece called After Tito Tito, in where she re-photographs a number of these portraits with uh, the light reflecting in the glass, mm. so that the light kind of bisects and uh, Tito's head and cuts his head off. Uh, uh, and that's rather, rather interesting. And there's another piece by uh, uh, Shayla Kamerich called Hooked, um, which, uh, in which she, she installs these huge crochet spider webs all over five consecutive offices containing photographs of Tito mm. in this very creepy way. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, I think the other thing is that there's this sense of uh, a future that a kind of modernism, a hope uh, a, 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 that a modernism during the 1960s, uh, Yugoslavia did go through a kind of economic boom, and 
mm. there was an enormous building program all over Yugoslavia. It wasn't just uh, bunkers and buildings connected with death, but there were quite a lot of buildings connected with life. And there was a, it, they built a whole... They didn't have a, a unified road system, for instance, before, I think, the late, late 1950s. So there's this very interesting photographic project that an Austrian artist called Wolfgang Thaler has done called Frames of an Unfinished Modernization, mm. where he's photographed schools and motorway flyovers and shopping arcades and uh, blocks of flats that were built all over former Yugoslavia. Bob? Amazing stuff. Uh, I have to say, we're very near the end of the programme. We've done ever so well. well uh, and I wanted to very quickly mention there was, a, there was a, some performance where it wasn't there, and there was one um, guy who uh, banged his head against the wall, um, yeah. um, which, I, which I thought sounded pretty amazing, and to wild applause when it actually went through the wall. Am I right? Uh, yeah, you can hear this in the programme, which is transmitted on Tuesday on Radio 4. You can hear the head banging. Pl- plug your bang, I'm gone. Uh, he's called Mladen Miljanovic. Yes. Right? And he's, a Bos- he's, uh, he's Bosnian, and he's, uh, he did a painting called Today I... Well, he did, he did a performance called Today I Became a Real Artist. And yes. A painting of him uh, on the day he uh, basically... D- joined up to do his national service, standing with his mum and dad. And he headbutts it, doesn't he? I couldn't understand right. why he could headbutt. Right, out of his military helmet, out of his tin helmet, yeah. and then started hitting the painting and ramming it. Yeah. He had, but he went right through the wall. I mean, I, I just think the, the, the politics of the artists, are, they've got something really to get their hands on, haven't they, in, in, in Bosnia? <laughs> they definitely have, yeah. I mean, it was very interesting because when we were there uh, Ratko Mladic was arrested in Serbia mm. and there was huge amount of joy about mm. this. From yes, yes, you said that at the beginning of your piece, don't you? Yes. What was the programme you just mentioned earlier? Something on Radio 4 on Tuesday you said, what was it? It's called The Art Bunker. The Art Bunker, and that's on Radio 4 Tuesday, what time did you say? 11.30. 11.30, is that something you've had something to do with? Uh, yeah, I produced it. Uh, <laughs> there you are. <laughs> well, please, to, please to help you. And I hope our residents listeners will will listen to that as well. Nice crossover between the BBC and residents. We like that. Long may it be so. Yes, yes. Well, that, and thanks for coming on, Bob. Um, Thank you. Um, we're going to wind the program up now. And this is Matt Hale saying goodbye to you all from Art Monthly. Um, thank you, Paul O'Kane, as Thank well, you, for coming yeah. in yeah. and uh, hopefully coming again. And uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to Art Monthly. Just email subs at artmonthly.co.uk any time you feel like it. And there's a special residence discount if you just say you've got it from residence. Bye-bye.